Welcome to Nerd Talk, the podcast that talks about everything nerdy. I'm your host, Jordan Halstead, and each week, me and my friends will be discussing some of our favorite topics. We're talking superheroes, Star Wars, Pokemon, Harry Potter, and that's just to name a few. You don't want to miss out on this because this is Nerd Talk. Hello and welcome to Nerd Talk. I'm your host, Jordan Halsted, and today we're going to be talking about the Disney Plus original, WandaVision. I have my friends Micah and newcomer Scott here with me today. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, thank you out there for listening. If you haven't watched WandaVision yet, this episode is chock full of spoilers, so proceed with caution. Uh, this is your warning, so if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, I would suggest not listening to this episode right now. Uh, so go ahead, and Scott, uh, this is your first time here. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Scott is uh, one of my friends from camp. Uh, I've known Scott quite a long time, and we, we ended up actually co-writing. A, well, you wrote it, and I kind of kind of played it to a college age. We did a, a yeah. movie Bible study, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, we got to work on phase three though. I, I, I yeah, I've, we, I've been it. working on it. So, I have my notes. So you have your side. <laughs> I, I guess I've just been slacking, uh, seeing as phase three ended what two years ago now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we're kind of stuck there, but Scott, tell me a little bit about, uh, how you got into the nerd world. Uh, just something short, sweet, just like, tell us what, what got you started in all this? So, I mean, I guess anytime when I think about nerd world or nerd culture, you know, I think for me, it's anything that you, anybody can love that it can kind of become an obsession, something that really sucks people in, whether that's a one particular show or a game or like even like stamps and trading cards, you know, you can you can dive into that yeah, if you really want to. Um, so for me, I think a lot of it was always film and television. Okay. I mean, I can remember growing up as a kid, and and this is gonna. And hopefully, my dad doesn't listen to this, but I can remember my dad sitting on the couch when we were in Iowa watching Rambo, and I'm watching Rambo, and I'm like probably three or four years old watching all this <laughs> violence. So no wonder I had anger issues as a kid. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That was kind of that was kind of my my thing, and I can remember early, like maybe like late '80s, Saturday morning, getting up like at five o'clock in the morning, grabbing a bowl of cereal. Sun's not even up yet, and just watching cartoons. And I can remember before, like you know, Ninja Turtles or or Looney Tunes or whatever the 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 show was going to be on. I can remember watching some like deep cuts. I remember watching. The first thing I remember watching, like, Knights of the Round Table and the Hurricanes, which was a weird soccer show. Um, even, like, things like, uh, oh, I can't remember the name, but it was, like, the one where it was, like, Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky. And, oh like, I would watch those cartoons. And even there's a show, it was called Cops. Or sometimes it would be called Cyber Cops, not to get confused with the TV show. And it was, like, these officer card and i mean some of these things that you don't even probably know about but they were some deep cuts i I I don't even know some of this stuff as a a, a product of the 90s you're like oh this one and this one i'm like dude you are totally aging yourself right now and and i at first when you said 
before Looney Tunes, part of me wanted to be like, dude, the Looney Tunes came out in the 19, like, 60s. If you're telling me you're that yeah. old, oh, my God. No, 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 no. <laughs> but there's – I can't remember. I think it was on CBS. They have, like – like, before, like, they have, like, their kind of their peak shows. Okay. And then they – have like an hour of like Looney Tunes stuff, and then they would have like whatever their big Saturday morning cartoon thing at the time, maybe G.I. Joe or Transformers or something. But I even got into like Voltron and Thundercats, um, G.I. Joe, you know, all that stuff I really got into, even like Saturday morning wrestling, a WWF. I mean, I got into a lot of television and uh, film, um, and that was kind of like my big dive into. That and also just as a kid, I remember first playing an NES and playing The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers and dove right into the whole video game world and uh, really just kind of loved playing not only those games, but now especially just the great storytelling we're seeing in some of our modern video games today and Absolutely. looking at some of the character development. And, and I think that's kind of been my big thing has always been character development, stories, how do we do storyboards, put things together, and be able to tell captivating stories that kind of hooks people into watching, you know, especially in television. How do you, how does a show like The Office or Modern Family have multiple seasons? Because if it wasn't any good and the storytelling wasn't great, then, I mean, I don't know how Grey's Anatomy is still on, but I haven't seen one episode, so I can't really make a judgment on that. I got to say, I, me and my wife are, are big Grey's Anatomy fans. I think what's really cool is it's that part is a rotating cast and the story continues. Um, I know that the big thing that's happening right now in their series is they actually brought some dead characters back. So they're paying homage to like, or, or like original seasons. There's like this spot where she's like <laughs> kind of dying, but like she's seeing some past people um, that are dead. And so like, it's kind of bringing back the memories for those of us who've watched all it's what 17 seasons now. <laughs> <laughs> so like it, it, it's one yeah. of those but yeah i i agree with you like that story is what what keeps us coming yeah so so with that uh you know that that storytelling that building uh i mean we talked last week uh when when we were filming uh the the episode with mike and jeremiah uh mike and i we were talking about how we were building a marvel universe and how that goes and so that kind of pulls us into this next bit um so we're going to be talking about wandavision and I think what's really cool is it just – it was different. Um, it was not your typical Marvel. Um, when you look at Marvel shows in the past, you've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've got your Netflix shows like Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, where they all kind of did the same thing. Um, you had – it was it was just shy sometimes of the bam pow from the, <laughs> from the Batman 60s show. Like it, it, it all <laughs> kind of fit the same kind of script. Um, there wasn't – too much diversity. I mean, some of it, there was a little bit more action, a little bit more blood. Um, some of it, there was a little bit more language. Um, I mean, they, but they all kind of did the same model. And Marvel is very well known for for sticking with that model. But now, now with their Disney Plus show, it kind of changed. So with that, what did you guys think of this series? Like, what was your favorite episode? What was your what was your thought of the series? Uh, and, and Micah, we're gonna go ahead and start with you. What was your overall thought? And what was your favorite episode? I, I loved WandaVision. Um, <laughs> absolutely loved it. And, and on the last show that we talked um, about the entire um, Marvel Universe, like and some of these side shows that they're doing, like Falcon and Winter Soldier was great. I loved it, but I liked WandaVision better. Yeah. And I think that may be unpopular with a lot of people, but like I, <laughs> I liked it better. So why did you like it better though? 
Sure. So, um, and some of the questions that you sent us, and we'll go through those a little bit, but like through the decades that they go through, I remember as a kid, I'm not that old, right? But like, I remember as a kid, <laughs> yeah. like one of the big things that we were allowed to watch as a kid in my home was Nick at Night. Yeah. So mm. in the 90s, Nick at Night had I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and the Mary Tyler Moore show and I did not know all that. of these shows. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Gilligan's Island, you name it, um, they had it. And oh, so yeah. I watched a lot of those shows and series growing up, even though that they were, you know, something that my parents watched as kids. Uh, so it was cool to see um, how they went through the decades in every episode. Um, the, one of the other things that I really liked, I um, have worked in ministry for 10 years doing worship and production, videography, and things like that. In the last couple of years, I've really focused on production and videography. Um, I loved how they produced this show. Loved it. I mean, especially like when they went from like the, the old school TV and they went into the wide shot. And like, I think for me, that was uh, probably my favorite, uh, probably my favorite episode was when they finally made that transition from like the old black and white to the color. And they, they made a widescreen and like, even on the, um, the screen as you saw it, you know, going on, it just went from, you know, that to the widescreen. And then um, another question to ask when we talk about it a little bit later, but um, one of my favorite characters is Darcy. Um, and when they uh, introduced um, who was looking at the computer monitor when it was Darcy. Oh, yeah. That was, for me, that was probably it, like. I don't remember, I don't remember what episode it was like I mean it feels like it's been a while since I've watched it I want to watch it again but uh yeah so that that was some of the highlights for the show for me I think one of the cool things and you you started to talk about this uh that episode where you saw the color start to come in um yeah. all three of us have been in ministry uh that's kind of part of our stories and, and we're all called and and, and either mm -hmm. I'm like I'm in the ordination process right now but you guys have are are you guys are ordained um and so you guys kind of know things and, and whatnot and you guys have been through this uh and you guys actually would probably know my former senior pastor and so uh pastor dan fiorini and i were talking one time and he said i remember when everything was in black and white on tv and my aunt bought this this black or this the first color tv and he mm -hmm. said that all tv at that time was everything was in black and white uh even though like you had a colored tv doesn't mean that everything became colored. It was already, it still stayed in black and white, which is why we still have like, I love Lucy and, and black and white. But he said, mm -hmm. when, when the first thing that showed up, they had this big party at their, at his aunt's house for this, for this unveiling of, of what color TV was going to look like. And he said, I was a kid and I remember the wizard of Oz. And, mm. and they, they watched that first step or that first like 20 minutes where it's, it's, it's black and white and they're like oh is it broken and then <laughs> the color just happens and i i, I yeah. genuinely believe that that was a nod to that generation the people who mm. saw it because let's be honest scott you're you're a product of, of the 70s and 80s um micah you're okay right, right, yeah. <laughs> like you were you were born in the late 70s right no, I was born in the 80s, man. Oh, okay. But well, 82. Okay, 82. So, I, well, the way you were talking, I was like... Please, ah. I'm not that old. And I was born in 86, just to be clear. Okay. So, so you, guys are products of, you guys are products of the 80s. <laughs> yep, my bad. Uh, so you guys, you guys are products of the 80s. So you guys have always known color TV. Like, 
you guys have seen what black and white TV looks like, but you guys mm-hmm. were not watching like new episodes as they were coming out in black and white. And so I think what's cool about this is when you look at this specific or the show, it overall just showed, hey, this is what TV has kind of evolved through. And there's a lot of kids mm-hmm. out there that don't understand what what it's looked like. They don't understand the history behind it. And like Scott was saying, knowing like that 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 love for movies, that love for TV show, you kind of kind of know your history with it because then you yeah. understand and you appreciate it so much more. I mean, for me, I'm a big Pokemon fan. And when I, when you go back and watch the original series, the original series, the animation was a lot more garbagey than what the newer stuff has been. Um, and that's, that's just the evolution of TV and seeing from black and white into color. I think that specific moment was just this beautiful nod to the history of, of just like TV watching. And, and I think they, they did that very well. So I, I love that yeah. you, you pointed that way. So Scott, uh, what, what was some of your favorite points in this? And like, what was your favorite episode? Okay. So I, I would, I would say that WandaVision is kind of a paradox in some ways, because okay. when you think about, you know, when you think about just basic television film tropes, they follow a certain pattern. Or when you get to WandaVision, it's kind of like not only are you going through this series of, you know, kind of having this nostalgia of kind of the classic, you know, kind of the themes of tropes of television from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. But then you have your Marvel Universe that kind of is woven through there. And then, you know, especially when the first episode, most of the time it's just like, okay, we're watching this zany sitcom and then you kind of see like oh and you kind of get this little teeny shot of like someone watching the show um like from sword and you're just like oh wait a minute what's this and you're kind of thinking like oh what's going on here so it's almost like i'm enjoying this sitcom but yet there's a little bit of a mystery to it and as you keep going through each episode especially the first three episodes you're still kind of like more of that kind of real world is kind of seeping in even though you don't really know that it's the real world or what's happening unless you've kind of understand a little bit before going into it and i so for me that was always interesting just to see that it was also interesting especially when you look at like the 19 like the uh, 1950 version of the first episode which is supposed to be like throwback to the 1950s and even when you think about the dinner party I mean, that's always been a television trope. Even it's been a trope since radio. Uh, when people listen to radio of having the boss over for dinner and zany stuff happens like that's that's a classic trope. Um, I mean, you've probably seen that trope in I Love Lucy. You've seen it in Leave it to Beaver. Even even the interesting thing about Leave it to Beaver um, in the, in that 50s, a lot of times you see the father go to work. And you don't really know what company he works for. They don't mention the company. It's just like, oh, and I and I kind of like that when Vision goes to work. Like, he's like you don't really know what company work? he works for. What do I do? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, you're the yeah, and it's just furniture. like, it's like, oh, <laughs> and it, and I think it's those little moments that you know, if you're if you don't understand television history, it would fly over your head. Or even when you get to, and I think I one thing I do love is just kind of those transitional pieces, like uh, Micah talked about, black and white seeing the letterbox thing start to fill out, seeing the color come in. You know, I think my favorite thing was when we got to the second episode and at the beginning you see Vision and Wanda sleeping in separate beds and then they're now sleeping in one bed. And that was shocking back in the um, 1960s when that happened, which I believe 
I believe the two shows you saw that was like Bewitch was one of them. That was like the most shocking one. But then in the Munsters, you saw, you know, Herman Munster and his wife, like I almost said Morticia Adams. I'm like, that's a wrong show. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you saw that together and it's like, oh wow. And and so when it's those little things, you go, oh, okay, this is interesting. And you start to see, and I think the other thing when I say one of Visions of Paradox, especially in the second episode, when you see, you know, the guy come out of the sewer and it's almost like that break. And you, it's almost like kind of like you see this disturbance or this break, which usually in some cases, when you see something that kind of breaks from those traditional tropes, you're kind of like taken aback by it, but the way it was designed and the way things were put together, um, really, you kind of see everything kind of go like, okay, what's going on? So that leads into what was my favorite episode. Oh, I mean, I, I always love a good holiday episode. So for me, so I've always loved those in other sitcoms, but I would have to say episode four. And I think what makes episode four so interesting is you got to see behind the curtain. Yeah, uh, because up oh, until absolutely. then, and even like when my wife and I were watching it, like uh, after we watched the third episode, and again, I think it was the second day because I believe it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like the first two episodes were launched when WandaVision first yeah, on the same day aired. Yeah. Okay, so this would technically be because we binge watched those two episodes, so it would be the third episode. And my wife was like, "I don't know." Like she's like, "I don't know if I got the I'm a, if I'm getting this. Like this seems too. I don't. I'm I'm not getting into it." And then when that fourth episode dropped. She's just like, okay, now I'm invested into yep. it. Yeah. Katie, which, my wife was which the it, exact same way. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting. I actually had to go do some research on that because there was a show when I was in college that I watched on FX called The Shield that had Michael Chiklis in it. And in the very first season, if when I got the DVD set of the very first season, one of the things I noticed is when they aired them, they put the fourth episode in the third episode slot when they aired it live and I was listening to a commentary. And one of the reasons why they said that is after the two episodes, the FX executives said that they didn't understand Shane's character, which was played by Walton Goggins. And they were about to like, just say, we want this character removed. And um, I can't remember who created the show off the top of my head, but he, um, but he said, well, no. So that's why they moved the fourth episode to the third episode slot because Shane had more of a character arc to kind of show his importance in this overall show. And he ended up becoming a mainstay throughout the whole season um, or series. So part of me goes with episode four. I'm like, okay, was this something they had to throw in real quick? Because people they're thinking like, ooh, we're starting to see numbers die. People aren't interested in this. But it actually seemed like that they kind of planned it for that, just the way they designed it. I felt like Marvel, the Marvel Studios, when they put this together, they threw that fourth episode in just to kind of get people. Because I think after everyone watched that fourth episode, even people who are kind of on the fence or even people who are kind of like not interested, but they're kind of peeking over the fence. That episode, I think, pulled a lot of people into the entire show and kind of started seeing, OK, I'm very I'm invested in this show now and I want to see what's going to happen next. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You know, I was going to say to what Scott said, like I, I pulled up um, the episodes and the names and the lists as we're recording uh, this evening. But um, something that I caught was just the name, like even the branding, right, from how Marvel does things. The first episode is called Film Before, My, uh, Before a Live Studio Audience. The second episode is called Don't Touch That Dial. 
The third episode is called Now in Color. The fourth episode to which you're referring to as your favorite is we now interrupt this program. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, like you're saying, it's definitely on purpose. It's totally yeah. on purpose. Um, and the other thing, uh, listening to you share about what some of your favorite parts was, I think they did a Night Love Lucy too, where they had two separate beds and they slept in mm-hmm. two separate beds. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that as a kid watching Night Love Lucy. Um, and then like, Oh, Lucy gets pregnant with little Ricky, and it's like, oh, how did that happen, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said, um, when they brought the beds together in WandaVision, up oh, the next episode, she was pregnant. So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah, catch that one. That's actually really funny because, like, yeah. I, I knew that, like, the the timeline. I was like, there, there's a lot that you have to unpack. Um, this story, when when you say, hey, we're only gonna do less than ten episodes. I mean, you look at Netflix; they drop. 10 to 13 episodes for a season, which is like your half season of what a normal TV show looks like. But when you're putting less than, than that into these, these seasons, you've got a lot to unpack. There's a lot of character development that has to happen. There's gotta be a lot of storytelling and like, how do you do that? And I think like some of these small nods, I didn't catch that part though, that she got pregnant, like right after the beds went together. That makes Mm -hmm. a lot more sense, which would have been a throwback to a show that I didn't grow up watching um, like you said earlier, like your guys' Nick at Night that you grew up with were what your parents were watching. Well, the Nick at Night that I grew up watching was like The Nanny, uh, George Lopez, like stuff that that was like late 80s, mid 90s, like things like that. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I am at least 10 years younger than you guys. So it's kind of right in that that ballpark. Um, it, it's just a difference. Yeah. Uh, but but just I think it's cool to, to see some of those nods because like like scott said if you didn't watch those you don't understand it um and so that that's cool to like hey i'm running this podcast and i'm still learning things like i love that um i know (laughs) i know that one of my favorite episodes um i think that the episodes that did like their throwback were cool but i loved getting to see like when they did their their full house uh episode where Mm. they kind of did like hey we're now in the 80s 90s era like and i'm like okay that was an absolute nod to the fact that Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. her, her older sisters were Michelle Tanner uh, in Full yeah. House, which I just, I was like, okay. But I, I honestly don't think that that was my... They favorite. were? What? I know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How rude. Oh, wait, that, that was Stephanie. My bad. Uh, so, yeah. so anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, I don't think that that was my absolute favorite, but that was one of my favorites. I think out of like when they do like her show in the show... I got to say the, the Malcolm in the middle episode um, and, and just hitting mm. that moment where, where, cause it was kind of like you said, that, that Halloween special, that, that, that whole feel to it. I loved when they had Evan Peters come in. I, I thought that was really well casted and they, they did the story pretty well. Um, I wasn't super happy with how it ended, but I think it was still done really well. Um, I think they could have done something a little different and it would have been really good there. Um, so that kind of leads into my next question. I'm going to move around a little bit on our question list. Uh, what plot twist surprised you the most? And uh, Micah, we'll go ahead and start with you again. Um, like, what did you not yeah. see coming that you loved the most? Honestly, I think it goes along with what uh, another question you asked with uh, was um, you're going to ask us um, what did you think about previously minor characters showing up? And in the last episode, I shared how much I love Thor and the story of Thor. Yeah. But we, uh, Alicia and I are huge fans of Darcy. We gotcha. just think that she's so funny. 
we think that she is awkward and funny and she's she's always in the wrong place at the wrong time but she still does whatever she needs to do to, to get the job yeah. done and so um the plot twist uh for me i think was i don't know i read <laughs> it's like it's all the the whole show is just like all over the place and i think for me um What was the episode? Uh, the episode where she finds out um, her brother isn't like he's not. You know what I mean? Like it's not really him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I almost I, like I was like I wonder if that's what's going to happen as it was happening, and um, I think it was during the Halloween episode. It's called the All New Halloween Spectacular, and um, she's sitting there in the, the middle of the city with her brother, and he does this thing, and there's this like this this split moment of time where you realize that he's not who he says he is and she just freaks out and like launches him. And for me, that was probably the biggest plot twist. Cause I, like you said, I think you, I don't know if we shared it t- tonight, but I think um, just talking with you over the last couple of weeks that you wanted them to do more with his character. Yeah. That so, so Evan Peters, um, he was the actor who played Quicksilver in the X-Men universe. Uh, and, and, they now that the Fox universe is now owned by Disney and they can start putting the, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and all their characters X-Men. over. Um, I, I looked at it and I was like, this is this perfect opportunity that you can bring Quicksilver back. Cause I know that when they, they both looked at the characters, they said, well, we both technically own them because they're X-Men and they're also Avengers. So we'll just kind of split it down the middle. So they did Quicksilver, but then they basically, and I'm not truly believing that Quicksilver's dead. And here's my, my reason you didn't see a burial. <laughs> uh, well, well, too, like if you think about the micro and the macro of the MCU, like they could have very well just, it's the same thing with the twins. They could have just done a nod to those and moved on because they have so much ground to cover moving forward. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe he isn't like, I don't think black widow's dead. Yeah. I, so, you know, we talked about that the other night. So like, what does Jeremiah say? Nobody's truly dead in the MCU. Yeah, he, he's like, no, no point is there ever someone who stays dead. And the only question that that we even brought up character wise was Uncle Ben. And he, he ended up saying that they were trying to bring him back at one point, uh, but they ended up not. And I'm like, I'm so grateful that we at least left one person resting in peace. <laughs> but yeah, like all these characters, they could easily bring these guys back. And I mean, with the change Carlson. Yeah, Agent Coulson. He's te- or Coulson. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Coulson yeah. technically came back uh, with with Cree blood and things like that. But I'm like, but he was in Captain Marvel, and that was in past tense. It wasn't like in the well. Film. Well, you put him in Agents of Shield, the TV series that is okay, supposed yeah. to be directly tied. Which I don't know how if they're even if they're going to retcon it or whatever. But I mean, I liked it as a series myself. Um, I had to push through mm-hmm. it first because I was anti Marvel at the time uh, when when that was coming out because I was my DC fanboy era. Uh, that I was so, so <laughs> DC that I couldn't see Marvel um, kind of situation. Thank you for coming over to the other side, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I, I sit very middle at the moment. Uh, DC has not given him another choice. <laughs> that's, that is true. DC, other than, other than the, the, the Snyder cut, which we'll talk about at another point, I love the Snyder cut, but, uh, but looking at this, I think there's so many characters that could have been, and I, I don't think that they should have made him Ralph Boner instead of, uh, Petro uh, Maximoff. I think there was this perfect opportunity because if you're going to be pulling this as a series that goes into uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, start opening up those doors. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the first time that they called her the Scarlet Witch. This was the first time yeah. that we saw like a true interwoven love story between her and Vision. Um, because like we saw a little bit in Infinity War, um, but we didn't see anything in Endgame. We saw kind of the budding romance in Civil War, but that was kind of it. And to see some of these things, like you have a lot to unpack. And I think you did this big disservice by bringing in this iconic actor who played an X-Men character and not allowing that to be a rift in the multiverse that maybe she truly started that process. Um, I think they did fix it with the Agatha thing um, that saying like, if you say a broken spell, you can't fix a broken, you can't fix broken magic. Um, I think they handled Mm -hmm. that very well, but I just, I really wish they wouldn't have gone with Ralph Boner. Um, I think they should have stuck with with him as uh, as like a reincarnated Petro or, or or from another universe. I think that would have been really cool. So Scott, what what was your uh, your your biggest surprise twist that maybe you su- were surprised by the most or that you liked the most? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if I was surprised by it because I feel like any time when you watch any type of show and people start talking about it, there's always going to be people who are going to guess kind of what's going to happen next. And sometimes they could be wrong. Sometimes they could be right. Uh, But I think for me, you know, just from, just from how the story's going, you know, you're thinking that Wanda's, you know, creating this verse, she has control over everybody. And then you kind of find out that, you know, it's, it's, it's Agatha and you're kind of learning more about her. And I think that reveal when Agatha finally reveals herself. Plus, I'm a big Catherine Hahn Han fan. Yeah. I love all her work. So for me, just seeing her in that role was just absolutely fantastic. And um, so I think with that being a big twist was kind of very good because now it's like – because before you're not really sure, like – you think Sword's kind of the antagonist, but you're not really sure because you have people who are over on that side of the uh, over on that side of the fourth wall that are kind of like there to kind of help Wanda. So you're not really sure. But then when Agatha comes, you go okay. And then when they have that whole thing, it's Agatha all along, and you're seeing like kind of going through all those cutbacks and seeing like oh, here's kind of how she's manipulating everybody. You're like oh, okay. So I think just that progression in itself was kind of a, a nice – I don't know if I was surprised by that, um, but I think it was just nice to see it happen and how they played out that twist, and I thought it was very well done. Absolutely. I think uh, for me personally, I think that the Agatha all along um, – and this this is – it's kind of a funny plot twist. Um, I'm kind of sad that she killed the dog and that Disney went that route, that she's like, and I killed the little dog too. And I'm just like, <laughs> like really? You killed Sparky? Like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. Like, I can totally get down with, like, this amazing song and, like, her being the villain. I can get behind that. But the fact that, like, this is a Disney Plus show, like, you're not you're not going to see Punisher on a Disney Plus original. I, I, I highly doubt you're going to see, like, more your, like, PG-13 rated R kind of characters. And the, the fact that she killed the dog and she was smiling about it. I lost it, but I was also like, oh, poor Sparky. Like, like that kind of hurt. <laughs> and I just, I just like that. Uh, so anyways, um, the way that everything kind of, kind of played out, uh, what, who was your favorite character? Who, who was your guy? Like, who did you like the most? Um, and and I'm going to kind of tie these questions together. Um, you know, like previous minor characters showing up, like 
Did you like certain characters? Who was your favorite that that you really were like, oh, I love this character. Like, I hope we see them more. Or they did a really good job in this series. Uh, and Scott, I'll let you go ahead and start. I think for me, it would be it'd have to be Monica Rambo would be my favorite character. And I think the only reason why is just because even though you it's it's like you're talking earlier about you know character development within nine episodes and how do you do that and you kind of already have a development between Wanda and Vision you already have all that taken care of um, and then just kind of build upon that within this story setting but I like Monica Rambo because it's almost like even though she's kind of on the outside she's still kind of a main character and you're it's very good to see her story um, the relationship with her mom the relationship with um, with uh, Captain Marvel and just kind of watching her go through her process and then even and I can't remember what episode it was but where she was going through the field where she's trying to force her way through the force field and then next thing you know she has like these powers and I was like oh okay like what's going on and you know it's stuff like that where I'm like okay there's some there's some character depth there's some things that's interesting about her character that's really having me invest in her so I would have to say for me, I, I liked Monica's character. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that real quick. I want to yeah. know how Marvel's gonna explain Monica going forward because remember how uh, she or uh, Scarlet Witch had to tear down all the magic she created. So everything that she had done now has to mm-hmm. revert back. So yeah. what happens to Monica's powers? So like yeah. because it's it's kind of created through this process. Does she get to keep her powers? Um, how are they going to explain that? Because Agatha said that broken magic is broken magic. Like it doesn't fix. It's not this, like you can't fix broken magic. And so, cause she's like, Oh, I can, I can fix it. And then like, like she does this big betrayal thing and all that, which was, which was good writing and all that. But I'm like, if that's genuinely true and she had to tear everything down and restart, does that mean that Monica no longer has her powers? Yeah. And, and I would, and I would say, you know, with that, I, I, I follow your logic, and I think it's – at the same time, I also want to know if they could easily – you know, you have someone who's inside the inside the bubble, and you're kind of under control. But when someone kind of has to push their way through the bubble to get in there, because um, I'm trying to think, because even just those who – Well, she didn't even push through once. She pushed through twice. Oh, I think he froze. <laughs> Or did I freeze? Mike, are you still there? And she can. Uh-oh. You froze. I'm, okay. Go ahead and try, I froze? try and say that Okay. Yeah, Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just kind of curious if, you know, because she was on the outside coming in, if that's kind of a enough of a catalyst or enough of a thread to be able to say, well, she can keep her powers because she wasn't exposed to that at the beginning. Even when Wanda expanded the shield, you know, she still, Monica had to still go through that. Yeah. I, I follow that logic, and so I think they'll be able to explain it. I'm just like, okay, that leads me to my question of just like, hey, does she get to keep it, or how, how do you explain it moving forward? And I, I have no doubt that Marvel eventually will explain it because probably enough people like me will ask that question, and later yeah. down the road they'll be like, oh, hey, here's here's the answer. So, mm-hmm. so Micah, uh, who was your favorite uh, person who showed up in this? Either small character, big character, favorite character all the way around? Um, I mean, you, three of them you have listed here, I love all of them. <laughs> so, um, 
you have Jimmy Wu, Darcy Lewis, and Monica Rambeau. I just love the connection. You know, I love how yeah. Marvel just weaves things in. And we talked a little about the other night with Doctor Strange, how he, you know, was, wasn't overexposed, wasn't overused. And like Jimmy Wu was just clutch in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that he was just amazing. So did you catch that when he, uh, when you first see Jimmy, he does the card trick that Ant-Man did in, yes. in that one? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, that's cool. That that was Because he story. showed him, like, he was like, you know, on my magic and stuff in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Um, Darcy, like I said, um, about a month ago, I watched Thor The Dark World. Don't ask me why. I just wanted to throw a Marvel movie <laughs> on. There are some really, really, really cool lines in there that Darcy says, right? Like, she, uh, She's basically making scraps working for, uh, uh, why can't I think of her name right now? Padme. <laughs> uh, oh. Through Jane Foster. Natalie Portman, but Jane Foster, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane Foster, thank you. Uh, working for Jane Foster, you know, she's making pennies, and then she has an intern, and the intern's like, well, how am I supposed to make any money if you don't make any money? But, like, she is just in the right place at the wrong times and always says the right thing. And yeah. Uh, when my wife and I were watching the show and they revealed that it was her who was watching it on the screen, we're like, oh, yes, like they brought Darcy back. So because, you know, I don't know that she's going to be in Thor Love and Thunder. I mean, she wasn't in Ragnarok, so I don't know if she'll be in the fourth one. Um, but it was good to see her. Monica, I love the connection between seeing her as a kid in Captain Marvel and then seeing her all grown up. Something I don't like and I'm not a big fan of is, you know, we're we're past the blip. We're past the snap, and they keep referring to the blip. They did it in Far From Home. They, uh, they've done it in WandaVision, and it's just like, how much are they going to keep hammering that? And like, it's almost like, I missed all this, and I get it. It's kind of like a depression in the dark age of what happened during the MCU, but I, I don't know if they're hanging on to that too much. But uh, Well, I'm going to pause real fast. I think the reason they're doing that is because there was that five-year jump, and now, yeah. now everything like, okay, so... Up. So, yeah, so we're like 2019 is when that movie dropped, but it technically like the five years started in 2018, so it goes to 2023. So the next few years may be like all happening at the same time. Yeah. And so it's just kind of one of those things that, hey, this is kind of 2023. We're, we're all getting there. And so that way they have time to formulate, hey, this is where we're going next. I think I think that's the only reason they push that because I know they did that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They, they hammered that home. Um, far from home, they, they talk about it. I think that's going to be something for probably phase four, but I think after phase four, they'll, they'll realize, Hey, we've done enough. Um, and now we can move forward. Um, I don't think that it, I think it's just going to be part of this phase, but I know phase four doesn't plan on going, but like two years yeah. or something like that. So, but, um, but what I was going to say is that, yeah, I agree with that. I hope so. Uh, what I was going to say is that I really enjoy, uh, Again, spoiler, but you know we talked about at the top of the episode. But uh, at the very end of the last episode, when um, the scrolls show up, yeah, like I want more of them because I loved what they did with them in Captain Marvel. Yeah, because they, they you know we talked, very well. Yep, and we talked about it a little bit the other night, like how they were painted out to be the bad guys, and then the Kree were the good guys, and then it was like, oh wait, flip that. So uh, I want to know what they're going with or where they're going with that. I was wondering if Captain Marvel would show up and there would be a cameo. I, I it, It's kind of a delicate balance, right? Because of the, you don't want to put too much in there and you don't want to bring too much into it because like you're saying, 
Jordan, there's only so much you can pack into nine episodes, whereas like in a normal TV so uh, TV series or TV show, there's 23 episodes per season, and they're doing these, you know, six episodes of Falcon Winter Soldier, nine episodes on WandaVision. I don't know how many episodes are in Loki, but like they're not a, there's not a lot of time, and without making it too much, they have to be careful what they put in there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I uh, I th- I think one of the coolest things um, that me and some of my other friends were talking about when we were watching it, uh, the the finale hit, and Jimmy Woo was absolutely my favorite. Um, I think a guy who has never been really on the good, like like not that he he was ever a bad guy in Ant Man and the Wasp, but like he didn't stand with Ant Man. Like he, he was, but he had to hold him accountable. Yeah. So so it, it's that delicate balance there of like, hey, like you're a superhero, but I also have to enforce the law. So it's one of those situations, but here he kind of got to say, okay, Darcy and Monica, I'm going to go support you. Uh, what do you need? What can I do? And like him doing the magic tricks, the slide of hands, things like that. Like it was cool. Um, and you were talking about Darcy. I think Darcy, the favorite, lo- my most favorite line that she ever said, um, they're like, they were, it was in, uh, the dark world when all the portals are, are showing up and they're like flying through them and Thor like falls through one or something like that. And then like, uh, Mjolnir, the, the hammer flies through and she's like, yim, yim. And I'm just like, you totally slaughtered that name, but that's hysterical. And she just like, she had to make sure that the, the hammer was named. Um, and she, she does think like the small things, like you said, she's in those moments, but she always says the funniest or the right thing that just, she, she doesn't, like you don't have to have Thor be the funny guy in the room because you've got Darcy who can make things mm-hmm. funny. Um, she's also smart. Yeah, like she's really she's yeah. incredibly smart. Yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. kind of like that Big Bang Theory Sheldon Cooper kind of thing. Like you, you, sometimes you just get the right moment where you've got that super smart person, but then they say the funny thing too. Um, and so I, I, I liked that uh, Monica. I think I think Monica was just a really good choice. Um, that is a character that I'm not aware of prior to this series. I had to go and research the, the snot out of her. Um, I had to figure out, like, what are her powers? Where is she going? And I loved getting to see some of the different powers that she has on screen. Like, when she basically becomes, like, that that jello saving the twins with the bullets. I'm like, dude, that was awesome. Uh, and I, I absolutely loved some of that. Um so what did you expect that did not happen in this, in this series, but should have happened? What were, what were some of your expectations? What do you think maybe should have happened um, that, just, that just didn't happen? I mean, like we've been saying, you got nine episodes. You're not going to get a whole lot in there. But what did you expect? Uh, what did you hope to see that just, that just didn't show up? Scott, we'll go ahead and start with you, bud. Oh, geez. I think the big thing for me is, <laughs> is just I wanted to know more about the other vision. Okay. I want it like yeah. that. I mean, I just yeah. felt like that was very, you saw him, you're like, okay. And you kind of knew like who he was, why he was there. But then when the two visions are having their dialogue and it, I, it, I, I, and, and Paul Bentley's like putting, I guess it's all Paul Bentley at this point, but <laughs> you know, the original visions, like kind of putting, transferring his, you know, the memories and everything else. And it's like, okay, where do we go from there then? And how, and, and you're, and again, you're kind of looking at not only the upcoming shows, but even what movies are on the docket. It's like, when are we going to see kind of the aftermath of that moment? Because I feel like I don't get that now and I don't want it to get wasted. But at the same time, there's nothing that's 
Now I can see in the first future of a future film or a future uh, series where I'm thinking, oh, okay, now I'm going to understand, you know, I'm going to find out what, how that's going to play out throughout the whole entire universe. And I just felt like that was kind of a cliffhanger, but more of a letdown in some ways. Cause it's like, well, when am I going to see that again? <laughs> like, when am I going to find out what happens from there? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I am wondering kind of where they're going to take that one because part of me is like, it wasn't as big a moment for me that mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be. So I was like, as soon as he left, it's like, okay, now that one's gone. And like, you kind of forgot about him if you didn't like really focus on him. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to rewatch it. Uh, Cause the first time I was like, Oh, like he's going to be an extra villain. Like they're going to have this big fight. They're going to split them up and it's going to be one of those things. And then like he left and by the end of the episode, I totally forgot to ask the question, well, where's white vision? Um, yeah. And like, it didn't make a big impact, but now I, I have the understanding that, that Paul Bettany is going to come back. Um, he's, he's going to be vision in future, uh, movies or TV or whatever they're going to do with him. Um, but like, where, where do you go from there? Uh, like wh- where's his story? How are they going to pick him up? And are we going to be invested at that point? Um, is it going to yeah. be hinging on him or is it going to be hinging on, well, we need a love interest for Scarlet Witch. Um, like, like I feel like her, her love version of him that came from her heart. I mean, that vision there was more storytelling and more, more building with him, but this show was more focused on her. And so like you had them, but now all the stuff that he just went through, the white vision did not go through that. So you're not going to have yeah. those, the, like he doesn't have those memories. So like, how are you going to create this? And, and are they going to become a couple? Is this going to be one of those? Like, do you, do they get together? Do they not? Is this going to be a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing? Like how, where do you go from here? And, and and I think even with that, I don't even necessarily know if a romantic thing's going to be best for those two characters. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times, I feel like I feel like with that, you kind of have that. And I think even at the end of WandaVision, you kind of feel like Wanda kind of moving on from that home with the picket fence, and you know, you're just kind of looking at this place where they were going to build. And it's just ruins, and that. But she's now no longer Wanda Maximoff. She's Scarlet Witch. So how does that change her character? Um, in that way. So I don't necessarily think like a romance story would work with those two characters anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how her character develops in the, in um, the next Dr. Strange movie, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what you're going to do with vision at this point and kind of how he, you know, what his, his role in the greater universe and how he's going to, and what story he has to tell now with this transformation he went through. Absolutely. Micah, what was what was your uh, your biggest, I guess, letdown? <laughs> the thing that you wanted to see that just didn't happen in the series? What 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 did that look like for you? So uh, as I'm sitting here and I, I realize I didn't really answer your very first question, like what was my favorite episode? And again, as I'm scrolling through the episodes and their names and I was reading a little bit of the description, I watched the show when it first came out and I told my wife that I really want to go back and just watch it again. And I haven't had the time to do so. Um, but my favorite episode, and I said this the other day, but like, I don't like finales, but like, I like usually the episode before the finale. Cause I feel like you get more out of it. Absolutely. Um, so looking at these episodes, the, the episode eight, uh, was called previously on, and it was where Wanda goes through and sees everything mm-hmm. right. And realizes what happens and she sees what happens to vision. And this is post infinity war. Um, and she just goes through this terrible, like, um, 
I don't know, agonizing realization of what everything, uh, everything that's going on around her, right? Whether it's her fault or not, uh, she realizes that she, I'm trying to say here, she, she realizes that she, uh, has created a mess and is she able to clean it up basically is, is what I'm trying to say, but moving forward, uh, something that I didn't, uh, and I thought about that as we were talking, something that I wanted to see is that she did all this, right. She created this whole realm unto her own, you know, to, uh, create a family, create a life with vision, all this stuff because of what had happened to vision. And she wanted to protect him. The The one thing that I really want to know, and they kind of teased it at the end of the very last episode, was how she's sitting in the cabin and she's in the position that Doctor Strange was in in Infinity War. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. just at his peak of his powers, you know, telling Tony Stark that, you know, there's only one way to save the universe. One. Um, the thing that I want to know, knowing that Wanda possesses some of that same power and the same abilities, is like, she did it before, can she do it again? Can she create that kind of paradigm, multiple universe, you know, the, the, the title of Dr. Strange too is, you know, the multiverse of madness, but like, is she gonna, has, does she, is she able to create another, you know, life? Is she cre- able to create another realm? Is she mm-hmm. able to create another, you know, universe for under her own, right? Where she could do this all over again if she wanted to. So I think that for me is what I want to see, uh, her moving forward and then i want to see like i want to know like jordan mentioned like how how dark things may get like with a rated r or pg-13 movie in the disney world yeah uh thing i want to know how dark they're really going to get because i've everything from everything that i've read with dr strange and multiverse of madness like it's going to be the most dark and horrific movie that marvel's going to put out yeah so they're saying it's going to be like a very horror theme kind of yes and i'm like I wonder if it's going to be more monster style. I wonder if they're going to see a lot more of that kind of kind of feel. I, it's just going to be one of those just different things. Um, but is she going to be the villain? Is she going to be the hero? Like, what is she going to do? Well, my question is, is there going to be a legit villain or is it going to be more of an environmental villain because of the, the multiverse? Um, yeah. is, is it going to be one of those situations that we accidentally created this paradigm shift that opened up the multiverse we're, we're running through all this stuff is is it going to be that oh thanos is the villain versus oh the hunger is the villain um and and the fact that like because like in reality so I, I watched someone talk about it they said is thanos really the villain here or was it the fact that he was a hero in in his own right by trying to feed all these people but he went the wrong approach by killing everybody. well and, and i thought about that on the way uh home today we uh, jeremiah and, and jordan and i were talking about the other day like did thanos uh, you think about it in star wars right star wars episode three anakin was so conflicted and so troubled because what he thought was doing was right like yeah. and you can oh, look at it from that perspective and be like he wasn't wrong because the, the jedis were being a bunch of jerks to him yeah but it, it, it's a same thing with thanos and, yes. and trying to figure that out. I know that for me, the biggest thing that, that I didn't – or that, that I expected from the series that didn't happen was because this is leading into uh, Multiverse of Madness, I expected Doctor Strange to show up. I mm. expected that at the end of the series, no matter who the villain was, no matter what happened, that uh, everything was going to get wiped away and that she was going to lose vision again or she was gonna, like something was going to happen and she was going to have this mental break – 
and be crying, looking hysterical, being just like on her knees in the middle of a street. And Doctor Strange shows up and sling rings, like does it the sling ring and and picks her up or like grabs her and and just by the by the arms and like lifts her up and then like walks her through to the Sanctum Sanctorum. And then as the the ring closes, like that's how it just the series ends. Just to leave us on this massive cliffhanger saying, Hey, you need to go watch the next one. But I think they ended it very well. Like, hey, there's like you hear the kid's voice in the in the like when she's doing her astral projection, which I also don't understand how she was doing the astral projection and her body was up moving around getting tea because even Dr. Strange's body couldn't do that. So I was like, I don't know how they they were going about that, but it was it was still good. I think they did that, though, because like I said at the top of the episode with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they gave you a cliffhanger. This one, I think there was more resolution and they did that on purpose. Yeah. Which I love the plot, Jordan, what you're saying. Like, if Dr. Strange would have showed up and just snatched her, that would have been great. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. I think there was more resolution with with the story and everything coming to an end and just kind of Westview just going, you know, we're done with this. And to what, like I was saying, when you asked me the question originally, like, did that make sense? Can she do it again? Can she do that again if she wanted to? And I, and I think the answer is yes. I don't know if she will, but I think the answer is yes. Oh, absolutely. Especially as they explained, like, she is raw, unfiltered power. And, and like, her training under Doctor Strange, I think, is going to help her harness that. But I think she's going to be the biggest player in the MCU moving forward. Um, I think that she she just absolutely is going to be one of the the hardest to handle. Like, there people are like, oh, the strongest Avenger is, is going to be Captain Marvel. And I'm like... Yeah, but the most dangerous Avenger is going to be Scarlet Witch. Just watch; like she she's going to hold her her own. She's you want to you want to see something like a snap happen again? <laughs> you, you just watch; she'll she'll house of Emmett. It's it's. it's do you think? Nuts. Do you think that she'll? Um, we talked a lot of the uh, a lot about it the other night, but how Thor and his story throughout the MCU so far has been nothing but redemption, and they tell a great story, like an overarching long term story, like in it for the long game. And you kind of made your plea for Age of Ultron the other night, um, you know, when they were introduced, you know, the twins. Um, do you think like that could be a similar trait for Wanda? Like in so. the overarching, like we're throwing a 90 yard touchdown pass, like we're going for the Hail Wanda Mary. could be that, like Thor. Like she could be in the long I, overarching I, theme of I, I do agree with that. I think I think character there, development. There's gonna be and I don't know that it'll necessarily be a redemption story. I think it's going to be something a little bit more unique to her because she, like, she didn't lose the throne. I mean, she lost her 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 homeland. She lost her brother. But I don't think like it's going to be this massive redemption the exact same way Thor Thor is. Um, yeah. I, I think they're going to write her very differently. But I think it is going to be just as amazing a story as Thor's story moving forward is. I don't. I don't think redemption would be the word like you're saying i think yeah. more along the lines of development though. yeah oh but, development I, th- uh, I, I think they'll just nine episodes into wandavision i was like oh my gosh i love elizabeth olsen oh like, yeah. just because of how far she's come from uh age of ultron oh mm-hmm. absolutely i mean you you watched them basically be kids back in 2015 and six seven years of of movie work now it, it's totally different you see a i mean you saw her start in Age of Ultron, and then, like, what was it, the next year you saw Civil War where, oh, like, I have powers, I can do some of this, I'm going to try and stop the bomb, and that's that's kind mm-hmm. of all that happens, and you're just going to see this development happen. So I think I think that's kind of where we're going, and I, I think that that's going to be the best part. Um, 
guys, we are running out of time. Uh, but before we before we end this episode, um, Scott actually runs a Twitch feed uh, called Games Never Finished. Scott, do you want to talk to the, our uh, listeners a little bit about that real quick? Yeah, so I have a Twitch channel called Games Never Finished, and basically I'm on season five. It's just the concept is basically me trying to revisit some of the old games that I've played at one point in time but never beaten. And the whole channel is me trying to beat these games. So uh, season five, I have three role-playing games. I have Sakodin 4, I have Grandia, and Wild Arms, all PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1 era games. Uh, So I go, I play. I'm actually having a good time playing Sakodin 4 right now. It's just so bad. But it's good. So <laughs> so that's basically so my commentary on that has been great. Uh, but I'm very close to getting an affiliate. But you can follow me at uh, twitch.tv slash games never finish. Uh, feel free to follow me. That'd be great. And I usually stream around lunchtime about 1231 o'clock. I do a stream, stream about an hour, unless my daughter's sleeping in, then I get to get more time. In. But other than that, um, that's pretty much my channel. Awesome. Yeah, guys, uh, make sure you go and check him out. Uh, one of the coolest things about Scott's, uh, his his whole Twitch feed is not only does he talk about the games and kind of explain some of it, but he also talks with you and, and he has commentary that just goes through it. Um, I know I like to mess with him when he's in there. He was doing a boat uh, attack battleship kind of thing. And I was like, oh, you're playing <laughs> battleship. And he it totally <laughs> threw him off his game at that moment. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot like this, just having a lot of fun, just doing what you love. So guys, uh, we've hit that end of the episode, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. I know that we could probably continue talking about this for hours. Um, there's yeah. a lot of content. Uh, it's, you, you just keep unpacking and unpacking. Um, but, but we've hit the point where I don't want to go over the hour mark. Um, so, but guys, thank you so much for joining me. And if you're out there listening, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to our, our podcast. We try and push out weekly episodes and we'll catch you here next time on nerd talk.